Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Pirkei Avos podcast, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions, comments, or you just like to say hello, I'd love to hear feedback. Shoot me an email at rabbishlomacom with a K at gmail.com. Additionally, if you like this podcast, perhaps you might like my other podcasts on the Parsha. You could find it by searching for the Practical Parsha podcast or looking in the show notes below. For this week, we're continuing with Perak Aleph, Mishnah Yud Gimel, Chapter 1, Mishnah 13. And we are discussing the, the pair of Hillel and Shammai. And we, we taught the first teaching of Hillel. And now the, the next few Mishnahs are going to be dealing with more teachings and lessons from Hillel before we get into the teachings of Shammai. The Mishnah begins. Hu haya Aimer. Hillel used to say, he would say, Nigid Shema, Avid Shema. One who seeks, he who seeks renown loses his reputation. He who does not increase his Torah learning decreases it. Udlo Yalif, Ktala, Chayiv. He who refuses to teach Torah deserves death. Udishtamish, Bitaga, Chalif. And he who exploits the crown of Torah shall fade away. We have four very powerful lessons from Hillel. Number one, someone who's trying to get recognition um, will lose his reputation. Number two, someone who's not increasing is really decreasing. Number three, gets a little stronger, the wordage. Someone who doesn't teach Torah or someone who refuses to teach Torah, stronger wording there, deserves death. And number four, someone who exploits the crown of Torah shall fade away, which means, we'll get into a little bit later, that someone who wants to use the Torah for his own personal benefit, it's not good. What I wanted to do today is to go through these four teachings and try to take out some practical points from each one of them. So let's start with the first idea that Hillel is sharing with us. Who are you, Aimer? Negid Shema, Avid Shema. Someone who seeks renown loses his reputation. That somebody, the Talmud teaches us, Kol ha-bereach min ha-kavad, ha-kavad bereach acharov. That whoever runs away from honor, honor runs to him. And whoever runs to honor, honor runs away from. And this really ties into this first teaching of the Mishnah, that if someone is trying to do something for renown, for renown, he's involved in a project, and it's a good project, it's for a good thing. But the reasons why he or she is doing it is for their own honor, for their own glory, for their own prestige. So then it's only going to cause them to lose their reputation. Meaning that eventually, if a person keeps going on this path, that he's doing things for, for, um, for his, for honor, for glory, eventually it'll come out 
a person's true intentions, and then their reputation will be totally lost. That a person who takes upon a project to do something, but he doesn't have the proper intentions. He's do- and it's not just they don't have the proper intentions. It's worse. It, the intention is for them to, to be famous, to, to, to be popular. So it's going to come out from that, that a person is going to be discovered. And as a result, they will lose their whole reputation. Another point, which is very important here, is that when people who are renowned or are famous, you know, you have to wonder sometimes, do they ever wish they could be like us? Just they could walk into a store and to nobody notice them, that nobody recognizes who, who they are. I wonder sometimes that the people who have all this honor and glory, do they always like it all the time? And I can't imagine that the answer to that is that they oh, that it's something that is 100% beneficial. I'm sure there's benefits to it and people obviously like honor and like, they enjoy honor and they enjoy people recognizing them and knowing who they are. But deep down, is there a part of them that wishes they could just be a regular person? And uh, the mission is telling us is don't, don't be pulled after the allure of honor, after the glory. Because if a person is just going to, you know, look at that when they're doing their life's mission and what they're trying to accomplish throughout their day, throughout their year, throughout their lives, it's going to come out that they're going to lose their whole reputation. They're not going to have anything from it. And we see that throughout history, people who have been in the positions of authority, even great leaders, suffered on account of it. We see that Yosef, Joseph, when he was the king of Egypt, he died before his brothers. And this was a result of him being a ruler. He made a mistake. We see other examples throughout the Torah where great leaders, righteous individuals, suffered on the count of their leadership. So even though they had the correct intentions, they had the correct uh, thoughts, that they wanted to do the right thing, nevertheless, the position of authority is a precarious one, as we've talked about in other Mishnahs, that a person has to be very careful how we act when we're in a position of authority, a position of leadership. And we talked about in previous episodes how we need to keep this attitude and remembering how we really don't want to be there and how we just are doing this because we have to do it. Hillel's second teaching in this Mishnah is Deloy Moisif Yosef. He who does not increase his Torah learning decreases it. The, there's a, I believe that the Talmud brings down that when a person doesn't study Torah for a day, the Torah leads, leaves him for two days. What does that mean? Is that if a person doesn't make it part of their day to study Torah, to incorporate, to incorporate that into their lives, it's going to go away from them. Meaning acquiring spirituality, acquiring closeness to God, which is how does that manifest itself? Through study of Torah through performing mitzvos, It's something which we have to actively pursue. It's something we always have to be cognizant of. 
you know, there's a expression when it comes to bodybuilding. It's either you use it or you lose it. That if somebody is working hard to build their muscles, to build, to build stamina, and even me as a runner, I, I like saying that sometimes, that if I don't run, I lose the stamina that I have. If I don't use the muscles that I've been training myself, lifting heavy weights, I don't keep doing it, so then the muscles go away. If we don't use the abilities that we have, it becomes rusty. We don't become as good as it. But the best way to really bring it out is this example of a muscles, of the muscles, that a person's constantly building it, building it, building it. And if they stop working out, what happens? What happens to all that muscle that they added to their body? It goes away. It goes away because if you don't use it, you lose it. So when it comes to Torah, it's a little bit different. But the idea is when it comes to our spiritual lives, we have to know that it's either we use it or we lose it. You know, there is a expression when it comes to our Judaism, when it comes to Yiddishkeit, there's no such thing as plateauing. It's either we're going up or we're going down. You know, sometimes we go down. It's normal. We're human beings. We fall. But we got to go back up again. We fall. We get back up. And we know the Mishnah, I'm sorry, in Proverbs it says, Sheva yipot tzaddik become that the righteous fall seven times and, and get up. And according to some commentaries, when it says that the righteous fall seven times, it means that a person only could become righteous if he falls seven times. Only if he has that downfall seven times is he able to, to know if a person is truly righteous. Because it's not ultimately up to us if we have success. But it's up to us if we're going to keep fighting, if we're going to keep pushing, if we're going to keep getting back up. And this really ties back into this thought in the Mishnah is that Hillel is teaching us is that if we're not pushing in the right direction, so then we're going in the other direction. If we're not pushing, right? And, and the way that we do that primarily in Yiddishkeit, in Judaism, is by learning Torah. That connection that we have to Hashem, the strong connection is through Torah study. Sure, mitzvot are very important. That's also a connection. But the, the biggest and deepest connection a person can have with Hashem is through learning Torah, is through connecting by studying the word of God. And therefore, Hillel is telling us, he's teaching us that if we want to keep going in the right direction, we have to keep our, our foot on the pedal. Right? If we're going up a hill in our car, we have to press down on the accelerator. If we don't press down on the accelerator, what's going to happen? We're going to slowly stop and then keep going backwards. You know, sure, you don't want to press too hard on that accelerator or else you'll burn out the engine as you're going up that hill. But it's very important to keep 
the foot on the gas, slow and steady. That every day we have, it's important to set aside some time for Torah study. For some people, it could be five minutes. For others, it could be a half hour. For others, it could be five hours. Every person is different of how much they're able to do at a given time. But the main point is that are we trying? Are we continuing to push? Are we trying to to keep going forward? It's brought down that when a person, God willing, comes up to heaven after 120 years, there's different questions that are asked of that individual. And this is brought down in the Talmud. I'm not, you know, I'm not a uh, Kabbalist and I can't tell you what goes on. But the Talmud tells us different questions and different, you know, what happens a little bit, paints a, a, a picture for us to a degree. And one of the questions that a person is asked when they come to Shamayim, when they come to heaven, is did you learn, did you set aside time for Torah study every day? Every day. The question is not, did you study 10 hours a day of Torah? The question is not, did you get a minimum hours in? The question is, did you set aside time for Torah study? Did you actively do something to show that you're pushing in the right direction? And that's what Hillel is teaching us here, that if somebody is not pushing in the positive direction, the closer direction to Hashem, he's going away further. And it's up to us. It's imperative upon us to do our part and to make sure whatever it is for each person that we keep that connection strong. It could be a few minutes for one person, an hour, but to set aside time just to have some study every day to keep our connection strong, to keep us going in the right direction. So God forbid we should not go backwards. The third teaching of Hillel, Udaloi Yalif Ketola Chayiv. He who refuses to teach Torah deserves death. Now it's interesting. We know that in Halacha, it's forbidden to take money to teach Torah. That a person can't accept money to study to, to to learn Torah from someone else or to teach Torah, I'm sorry. To teach Torah, a person cannot take money. Now, the first question you're going to ask me is that, how's that possible? Now, what about every rabbi that gets paid? How is any rabbi, any Torah teacher, any rebbe in yeshiva, a, a, a rabbi teaches in a, in, a, in a day school, right? Their jobs are to teach Torah, right? That's my job too. It's one of my jobs to teach Torah. How am I allowed to do that? How can I get paid for teaching Torah? So the answer to that is that when a person is teaching Torah, he's not getting the money for teaching Torah. Rather, what is he getting paid for? What is a rabbi getting paid for? or a, a Rebbe in a yeshiva, in a day school, what is the payment in lieu of? It's payment for schar batala, which means 
is that since this able-bodied individual is able to get a job sitting by a security booth or sitting anywhere behind a cashier, so we give him the money that he would have made doing something else. Just the fact that he's, we're paying him for giving up of his time that he's not doing something else, and now he's, he is teaching Torah. So maybe it's a little bit of a, quote-unquote, a loophole. But the idea is it, there's a very important message here, which I believe ties back into our Mishnah. Mishnah says, he who refuses to teach Torah deserves death. Very, very strong wording. And the, I believe what we can take out of this is that Torah and Torah knowledge in and of itself is something which is free. Now, I don't want to confuse this for a minute because at the same time, it does take money to, to sustain in, you know, religious institutions. It doesn't mean that people don't have an obligation when it comes to supporting um, you know, Jewish institutions, Jewish places of Torah study. And we see that clearly in the halacha. Because the reason why I'm pointing this out is because unfortunately, many times people have grievances with you know, Judaism. And I'm not trying to take away from anyone's personal grievance. But sometimes people have grievances because uh, about money. That they charge me this and they charge me that. And you know, I'm not saying that they weren't unfounded and maybe people weren't wronged. But at the same time, people have to realize that obviously there's, if a person had one bad experience with one place, there's other places to go. But either way, as a general attitude, when it comes to um, religion, religion also costs money. When there's a synagogue, the, who, how is the lights going to get, keep, uh, how, who's paying the heating bill? Who's paying for the lights? Who's paying for the water, right? These are all things which have to be supported by the community. And, you know, people sometimes have this false you know, impression. Maybe it's this from this Mishnah. And I want to point out a difference in a minute, a minute that it's free. So there's two points here. There's point number one is Torah study is free. You want to study Torah? That you have a right to say, I don't want to pay money for. But when it comes to all the benefits of a Jewish community and a Jewish institution, that's not, not something which is free. That's something which is incumbent upon the community to support. And just like a person pays their cable bill, they pay their electric bill, they pay their water bill, and there's never an expectation from these companies to give it to them for free, so too when it comes to the Jewish communal resources, a synagogue, uh, you know, uh, Torah, houses of Torah study, that there's also incumbent upon us an obligation to support those institutions. But on the flip side, for a person who wants to study Torah, teaching them Torah is something which should not cost money. Now, going back to what Hillel is teaching us here is that, you know, if somebody has knowledge, Torah knowledge, he has a, a responsibility. You know, if, if a person has Torah knowledge, they have a responsibility to share that knowledge with others, to not be selfish and keep it to themselves. So you might say that you're, you're scared, you're nervous to share your information, to share what you know. 
what I have to tell you is that be confident in yourself. As much as you know, there's always someone who you can teach to. There's always someone who knows less than you and you could share your knowledge with them. And even if a person who knows more than you, everyone can always learn from each other. And the, there's a famous mushal, which is a parable which is given from the Chavetz Chaim. And people would ask him, you know, how is it? how should I be a teacher of Torah? I'm not, you know, a great sage in his time. There are great, great Torah luminaries who led the Torah world. And the Chavetz Chaim gave them a mushal, gave them an example, a, par- a parable to help them understand what is the situation, how we should feel. He said there was once a simple person who worked for this noble. And the noble asked for water. And this simple person, he brought water. But when he brought the water, he brought it from the well. And he didn't strain the water. He brought it to the noble. And he brought his water. The noble drinks and spits it out. It's disgusting. It has sand, it has rocks. He says, what did you do? He's like, you said, bring you water. So I brought you water. He said, you fool. When you bring me water, you have to strain it first. First strain the water, and then you bring it to me. So he said, okay, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. And ever since then, he strained the water and brought it to him. One day in the village, this area where this noble ruled, there was a fire. And everyone came running, running, running to help with the fire in the villages in those days. There was no fire department, and everything was made out of hay and, 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 and you know flammable material. And everyone would be expected to come to make a human chain from the the source of water, from the river, from the well, and pass the buckets to put out the fire. And the noble comes down to seeing the operation to make sure his town doesn't burn down. And he sees everyone there except for this one guy, Yankel. He says, where is it? Where is Yankel? Where is Yankel? And and he's going by and he sees he's sitting in his house, straining water. He says, what are you doing? He says, well, you said whenever I bring you water, has to be strained. Said, you fool, there's a fire going on. And when there's a fire going on, we don't care if the water's strained or not. So the the Chavetz Chaim's, the, the, the lesson that's learned from here is that we have to realize, you know, especially in these generations, you know, maybe in, in previous times, the people who taught Torah were of the greatest of the great. You know, but God gives each generation what they need. And our generation is not what the past was. We have, our, we have our strengths. We have our abilities. And it's different. You know, there are many more people studying Torah today than there ever was. You know, on one block in Brooklyn, there's probably more people studying in yeshiva than there was in the entire Europe 100 years ago. So that's pretty amazing. So the... The, the idea is, is that, you know, we have our strengths and we have our weaknesses and we have to realize that it's not like previous times. We have what to give. You know, there, there's unfortunately there's a fire going on out out there as far as knowledge of Judaism. And we have to realize that we have what to give over to the next person who maybe is not as lucky as us to know as much as we do. Therefore, we should be unashamed to give it over and we should give it over. Don't hold back. We should share our Torah knowledge with others. And the Mishnah tells us if we don't, it's such a severe transgression. You know, obviously there is a part of the Mishnah talking about somebody who doesn't want to share his knowledge. They want to keep it to themselves, maybe to feel special, to feel elevated over others. But I feel a message for us is that we shouldn't feel 
inferior, we shouldn't fear that we shouldn't feel that we don't have what to give over. We all have what to give over, and we all have who to give it over to as well. The fourth teaching of the Mishnah is Udeshtamesh Bitaga Khalaf. This means that if somebody exploits the Torah, he will fade away. And the way that we understand this is that if somebody uses the Torah as a tool for his own prestige, for his own honor, then they'll pass, they will pass. They'll fade away. That we have to be very careful that when we study Torah and we use the Torah, we shouldn't use it for, for our honor. You know, and, and, you know, obviously there's another concept here that we can talk about that it's, you know, we're not angels. And there is a idea that that from doing something not for the sake of heaven, we will come to doing it for the sake of heaven. That if a person has the opportunity to do a mitzvah, has the opportunity to do something good, but they don't have the correct intentions, he's supposed to do that mitzvah anyways. He sh she should do the mitzvah anyways. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid of the intentions. But yet we see in this Mishnah here, and the reason for that is that the reason that, they, that a person shouldn't hold back, that we shouldn't hold back when we want to do this mitzvah, is that because if we do a mitzvah enough times without intentions, then, or maybe without perfect intentions, we will eventually come to do it till we have that perfect intentions. And it's sort of like fake it till you make it. You fake it till you make it. A person acts a certain way, and eventually they will become that. So how do we reconcile that with this teaching of Hillel? Seems like we're using the Torah. Over here, you know, Hillel is teaching us, don't use the Torah as a tool. Don't be, don't try to gain honor through it. So let's say someone has a bad intention. Should they do it? Should they not do it? And I think the answer to this is that there's a difference. There's a difference when someone has neutral intentions versus, or maybe, quote, unquote, not the most best intentions versus a situation over here in our Mishnah where a person has intentions to use the Torah as a mechanism. That's the way he's going to become famous. It's that he, he's planning that that's what he's going to do. It's different to a situation where someone says, you know, what, I'm going to learn Torah. Then afterwards, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll know more. I'll look good. There's a difference when someone wants to specifically go into studying Torah. And that's his whole reason, his whole essence, when he's doing it just for the honor. So then he's using the Torah as a tool, as opposed to a situation where, where he's just doesn't have the correct intentions. and there, the, the, the Torah tells us the, 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 the concept is that by eventually doing it, someone has neutral intentions or is not, it's not his only intention you know, to gain honor from the Torah, but maybe it's partly his intention. So there we'll say that if a person should do it and not worry about the intentions. But when a person does something just, he takes the Torah just like a hammer. He's using it specifically. That's his whole idea of how he's going to get honor and that's his whole intention so then that's already different so that's going to do it for today's mishnah i hope you all enjoyed 
If you have any questions or comments or like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomacom with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.